All right, so we're going to continue our study of the fruits of the Spirit uh, found in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. You know the passage quite well. We're not going to recite it tonight. But tonight, uh, we're going to continue the thought uh, that Brother Ed started last week on peace, but we're going to attack it from the perspective of the next fruit of the Spirit, and that's patience. Uh, patience is, is quite a virtue, as you know, uh, particularly this time of year. My, our patience is tested every day from the time we get up to the time we go to bed in some form or fashion, is it not? And particularly this time of year, as I've, I've driven around every day, going to and fro, and particularly patience is being tested between the traffic lights and behind the wheel, going up and down Atlanta Highway, going in through East Chase, Taylor Road, you name it, everything is backed up at this time of year, right? And, and that's ten, we tend to give uh, patients a back seat sometimes, and we even have something called road rage nowadays, right? And where people let their patients just fly out the window, and, and there's no more left in the car. And so... Patience is being tested and tried every day. And we just have to, to grin and bear it. We have to stick through it. We have to get through it. And we're going to talk about some of those things tonight. How would you define patience? Any ideas on definition of patience? I found a couple, and I thought were pretty textbook definition, if you will. Number one comes from uh, the, the famous Merriam-Webster's, and it says it's the ability to remain calm when dealing with something annoying or difficult. The ability to re remain calm when we're going through difficult times. Another definition goes something like this. It's the capacity to accept or tolerate a delay or trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. I think those are two pretty vivid definitions of the word patience, that we have to have self-control in the things that we're going through and not to let emotions get the best of us and see through to the end what we're dealing with. And too often times I look back and think, you know, I saw somebody exhibit a great deal of patience in this situation, or I have endured some sort of patience dealing with this situation, and yet we all deal with things differently, right? You deal with trouble with one topic better than I do, and vice versa, and, and so I probably would not do good filling in for my wife as a kindergarten aide. I don't think I could take that. She has enough patience. Leslie, correct me if I'm wrong. She has enough patience during the day to get through it. I don't know if I would be able to do that. That's just a whole new level for me, right? Or you may deal with traffic better than I do. You may deal with bad news better than someone else. And it's all about how we prepare our minds 
for those troublesome times. Another word for, uh, definition of patience is be, being willing to wait for something without being annoyed or restless. Being able to wait for something, and, and that's a word we're going to talk about later on, is waiting. I think it's a really good synonym for patience. If you look in the Bible, uh, you can find the word patience, at least in the ESV version, about 23 times. If you change the word to patient, you only find it 12 times. But then you substitute it with the word wait, and now you multiply that to 87 times throughout the Bible. And the first time we see that word wait is found in Genesis chapter 49 in talking about Abraham. And we're going to, to talk about some examples here in a minute. So I thought about what are some good examples from the Bible of dealing with patience? Who is the number one Bible person that you think of when you talk about patience? Job, exactly. And we all know the story of Job, right? In fact, turn over to Job chapter 6. And we'll see a very vivid statement from Job when he's talking and, and giving uh, a reply to uh, his, his, uh, the statements made in chapter 4 and 5 from Eliphaz, one of his friends. In Job chapter 6, in verse 11, Job says, What is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should be patient? So Job, in this one verse, uses two versions of the word for patient, right? Wait and patient. What is it, what is my strength that I should wait? What is my end that I should be patient? Job knew what was going to get him through this ordeal, this very devastating time in his life. It wasn't his friends, as we know, that were going to help him through that. Job's friends had very different thoughts and processes for how to help Job. And yet Job knew that he had to wait. He had to be patient with God. He wasn't in a hurry to get this over and done with. He took it day by day until the end came and God, we know, blessed him more so than what he had in the beginning. So I, I like that verse, uh, chapter 6 and verse 11, because it gives a really good picture of what Job was going through and how he dealt with, with the, the enduring of all that devastation. Any, uh, any other characters in the Bible that you can think of? David. That's a good example. That he was waiting to be king and, and waiting for that time to come, right? And God was preparing him all along to help him in that role. A lot of times we get to a point where we see something on the horizon and we just have to have it right now, don't we? We just have to have that job, that position, this raise. We have to change jobs, perhaps. There's something we want in our life that 
we just have to have now. And God doesn't necessarily want us to have it right then, does he? A lot of times what God is doing is preparing us to be able to accept that new role, whatever it is. And, and we just have to be able to see that and wait for it patiently in order for us to be able to fully enjoy what that position or that promotion or that raise or that opportunity can fulfill in our lives. And sometimes we just have to wait on that in order to really, really enjoy it. Any other characters you'd like to throw out? Ah, Joseph in the Old Testament. That's right. Exactly. Turn over, uh, well, we don't have to turn over to Genesis, but Joseph waited for a long time to be in a position to help all of Israel, right? Joseph, we knew, was thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, and eventually made it to the house of Potiphar. You know how long that took for Joseph? It took about 13 years from the time he was sold into slavery to the time that he was ruling second in command at Potiphar's house. 13 years. Joseph waited in prison, that he waited wondering where his brothers were, how his family was doing, not being able to see them or talk to them, but he was trusted in God all along the way. Thirteen years. That seems like a long time, doesn't it? Are we willing to wait thirteen years for something? Are we willing to be patient with God for a long time in order to receive the blessing that we're looking for, the thing that we're going after? Are we willing to wait? I looked up a quick little fact. You know how long the average person spends their life waiting in lines? Not counting the Christmas season, probably. Two years. Two years of our life is spent waiting in line. Now, granted, 80% of that is at Walmart, okay? Because they still haven't figured out how to open up all the registers. But 80% or uh, two years of our life is spent waiting in line somewhere. How do you deal with, deal with waiting in line? When you're at the grocery store at Walmart, what do you do when you're in line? That's right. Now we're on our phone catching up on Facebook or Instagram and seeing the news, right? What else do you do in the line? Yeah, we talk to people, exactly. Yeah, you made a new friend that actually we had a lot in common uh, on when we were there last Sunday. We were at Walmart picking up some things and started talking to the gentleman behind us and turns out he has children at ACA, and uh, we talked about that and what he did and everything. It all started off by the, the emblem he was wearing on his jacket that I asked about. But it was just intriguing, he, and we made a new friend and connection there. 
I mean, the, the stores line the, those aisles with all these knickknacks that we have to have, right? Those last-minute purchases that we just forgot about while we were walking around. Sometimes people pick up a magazine and read it. We spend, we, we spend our time doing something while we're waiting. I've never had more fun waiting in a line than when I'm at Disney. Disney just happens to have the, the magic touch on making waiting in line so much fun. It's amazing, you know? Now, it's a little bit longer than I'd care to. Thankful for the fast pass. But, you know, they, just when you think you're coming up to the entrance... There's another room full of, of a maze to go up and down. And I'm like, ah, oh, another room? So we end up talking to the people around us, or there's TVs or something to interactive going on while you're waiting in line. There's always something to do. So waiting in line can be very tiresome and very, very uh, boring. But if we make the best of it, what can we do to show others about Christ? How can we make a connection with them that can have a better influence on them and hence an influence on us? How can it encourage us because we have now made a new friend or we've made a new connection, you know? What happens when you see that person later in the park at Disney or when I see my friend from Sunday back at Walmart again, you know? We're more inclined to talk to each other. So waiting has its privileges. Joseph was a great example of that, I think. And he was one of the guys that I wrote down. Waiting for 13 years to become second in command at Potiphar's place. Another one I had down, I think Joseph learned it well from, from Jacob. You remember what happened to Jacob early on in his life? When he was looking for a wife? What happened to him? That's right. He worked seven years for a wife who he thought was going to be Rachel. And what did he, who did he end up getting? Leah. Because she was the older, the firstborn, right? And it was not the custom that the younger should be married before the firstborn. Well... So much for that. So Jacob ended up having to work seven more years, right? And finally got Rachel as his wife. How would we have responded to that? I don't know if that would have been a very favorable response from my end, you know? When you think the expectation is one thing and it turns out to be completely something different, that's tough. And so many times it happens today, doesn't it? We're praying for one thing to happen, and yet something totally different does. And we think, that's not what I wanted, God. That's not what I was praying for. But yet, it turns out that what did happen to us turned out for the best in the long run. There are many examples like that that we can go through Another one I think of is Noah. Noah, as you know, was given a command to build an ark, wasn't he? And Noah was building this thing 
with plenty of rain clouds and fresh produce and nice green trees growing up, right? No. He was building this thing when it hadn't rained for many, many years. In fact, I don't know if the people even knew what rain was at that time. Right? How long did he build that boat? 120 years. 120 years. That's crazy to spend building one thing because that's what God asked you to do. And yet he never stopped building. He never stopped preaching either, right? All this time he's building the boat, he's preaching to get people to come in and be saved, and yet when the door was closed by God, eight people were in the ark. Eight people out of all humanity made it onto the boat. And yet Noah never faltered. He never stopped. He never gave up. He never complained. Never said, this is crazy. God can have it. I've been building this thing for 30 years now. Not a single cloud has come into the sky. Not a single drop of rain has come to the ground. There's no rain in sight. What was I thinking? He didn't do that. He stuck with it. He knew what was right, and he stuck with it. It was a tough time for him. He was being ridiculed all the time. People were not responding to the invitation of coming onto the ark and being saved. But yet Noah continued to build the ark. He continued to stick with it. It rained eventually, and when Noah saw that drop of rain and the door was shut on the ark, I wonder what was going through his mind. I wonder what kind of relief he was feeling that, man, this, this has been lifted off my shoulders and now there's rain. God is who he says he is. He was going to send rain after all. And yet, nobody else except his family joined him on the ark. It was a relief in, in an aspect that he completed his task. I'm sure he was devastated that nobody else joined him on the ark. God's promises are always perfect. God follows through on his promises. He's made promises to each of us, and he's going to follow through on them. He's going to have our back. Sometimes we get impatient, don't we? There's a promise line out there, and we want it right now. Maybe we want something totally different than what God wants for us, and yet we have to step back, examine our trust in God, and then be able to accept that blessing. I was thinking about what we're asking for God, and when it happens, I always think of Garth Brooks' song from, what, 1990-something of Unanswered Prayers. And, and you think about the, the thought in that song, and it's like, I'm thankful that you didn't give me what I was asking for, essentially, right? And I think about 
the things I ask for. And I wonder if I'm asking in the right way, if I'm asking for the right things, if, I, if my heart is right, if my life is right, in order to receive the full blessing. And maybe that's why it's not happening. And so I hope it's a time of self-reflection that we can make to say, I'm ready to receive the blessing that God's given or is preparing for me in the future, but yet I have to step back and examine myself first. Am I ready to receive that? If that were to happen today, what would I do with it? Would I make the most of it? Or would I not be such a good steward and let it go by the wayside? If I were to receive that blessing today, could I do with it what God intended? Right. Any thoughts or comments around Noah or some of those ideas? Yes. That, that's a great one. I have another one coming up. And so the question was, can I think of anybody who was patient in the New Testament? And my first thought was, no, no, that's not mine. Um, my first thought was Saul. Think about Saul. Not necessarily when he was Saul, but when he became Paul. What kind of patience did he have? I mean, to go from living one extreme, life in one extreme, to life in the other, and now you're surrounded by people that have been with Jesus for a while, they understand him maybe a lot better, and yet now you're the new guy coming into to the fold, and now probably the most prominent of the apostles, going out and preaching, the missionary journeys, the books he wrote and transcribed for us from God? Simeon and Anna. Right. Very patient. And we're going to actually talk about Jesus, too, in a minute. But Paul, I think, exhibited patience. I mean, he... He was timid at first when he was dealing with the apostles, when he first made his conversion. Everybody was afraid of him, right? And they were kind of standoffish, and rightfully so. But Paul kept with it. He didn't let anything get him down. How many times was he in prison, shipwrecked, beaten, threatened to be stoned? How many times was his life in danger? How many excuses could he have made to say, that's it, I'm done, I'm walking out of here, I can't take this anymore. But he stuck with it, didn't he? And yet he's probably the most prominent of the people, even though he calls himself the least of the apostles. Yet he was probably the most effective of the apostles.
God is a patient God. He was willing to give his only son for us. For us. Little old me. He was willing to give his son for his life, for mine. How patient is God? Turn over to Mark chapter 1. Let's look at some of the patience of Christ. The perfect example of patience is Jesus. He was 100% man. He was also 100% God. And when he was on this earth, he lived a great example for us. In Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40, it says, A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, can you make me clean? Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and so spread the news that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Early on in Jesus' ministry, you have this example of a leprous man being cleaned. Jesus gave him some strict instructions, right? He said, don't tell anyone about it. He wasn't ready to, to have his ministry start yet. He was waiting for the time that God had appointed. And yet, Jesus was trying to patiently work with him. And the guy went and didn't even offer a sacrifice. Didn't go and show himself to the priest. But he just went and talked about it to everyone. And so, people started immediately coming to Jesus asking to be healed. Jesus' patience, he had asked for patience from this guy, but he didn't get it. How often are we patient with Jesus? What are some examples maybe that, and you don't have to answer out loud, what are some examples that you have had to be patient in suffering? We've all suffered in one form or fashion. What are some things that you've had to be patient with? I know it's very difficult to be patient. It's something we learn. As a kid, there is no patience, right? As adults, it gets a little bit easier, but not very much. We tend to see the end of the road, don't we? If you would, turn over to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, Starting in verse 23, Paul writes, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. 
Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Hope, is, this is the best definition of hope we have, right? And we know that once you hope for something and it comes to pass, you no longer hope for it. I'm not hoping for good grades on a final exam this week. I don't have to take a final exam, thankfully. But I hope for other things. Hope that is seen is no longer hope. But the things we do hope for, the things we can't see yet, the things we're desiring, the things we're waiting for eagerly, we wait for it patiently. And that's how we should wait for it, right? Paul gives a great uh, correlation to that there, that uh, we wait for it with patience. The things we don't see yet, that we have to wait for it, but we have to do it in the right manner. We have to not get annoyed when it doesn't happen. We have to not get upset when it doesn't happen. Paul gives us that good definition there. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 16, Paul's writing to, young, to his son in the faith, and he tells Timothy in verse 16, But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me at the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So Paul's encouraging Timothy by saying that we have to wait with the perfect patience that Jesus Christ had. Jesus displayed that perfect patience for us. We are hoping for eternal life. We haven't achieved it yet. We haven't gone on to our reward. But yet we're hoping for it. We're, we're longing after it. We have to wait patiently for it. Another scripture about Jesus' patience patience is in 2 Peter chapter 3 in verse 9 and it reads the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance and then he goes on to, to describe how the Lord will come again like a thief in the night. But Peter says, the Lord shows uh, his promise and is patient toward each and every one of us. If anybody's patient toward me, I'm glad it's God. I'm glad it's Jesus. I'm glad it's my wife. Sometimes I test her patience too. But yet, I can't imagine a better description of patience than, than what Peter says here. That God is patient toward me. There's another scripture here that I'd like to go on. Uh, turn back to, keep going in the, in the Bible to James before we run out of time. Turn back to James. James chapter 5. 
James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. James writes, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. James is encouraging each and every one of us to be patient. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, we read from Paul that we are to be patient in tribulation. We are to be patient in our sufferings. Growing up in in North Alabama in the summers, going to my grandparents' house up in Florence, we'd spend four to six weeks a summer up there. It was the only time I got to really work on the farm. We didn't have that in Charleston. And so we'd get to shuck corn and go dig potatoes and pull watermelons off the vine and do all the typical farm stuff. It was a great learning experience, something I'll never forget. And I can't think of anybody more patient in an occupation than a farmer. To sit there and no telling how long wait for something to appear out of the ground from which you planted. And trying to till it, keep the weeds out, keep the bugs and the pests away, pray for rain to adequately give life to the seeds. A farmer is probably one of the most patient occupations that I can think of. I know doctors have a lot more patience, pun intended, but, I mean, and and obviously in the medical field you have to have patience as well. You can't just go off and do things, right? You have to be patient, running tests and exploring and whatnot. So, so the comment was, there's a lot of times in which we have to exhibit patience and we can't do a lot of things about the environment that we're in. So waiting in the doctor's office, we can't just jump ahead of people. Right. Exactly. Hey, the farmer has to wait for rain, and I know there's irrigation techniques and all that, but by and large, you, you can't just water when you want to, right? A lot of times, you just depend on God to rain, uh, provide the rain to water the earth. Good comment. So James gives us that example and says, look, you have to be patient. The coming of the Lord is our end goal, right? That's our end game. Why is waiting so hard for us? Why is it so hard to wait? Is it because of the society in which we live now where everything is just instantaneous and we have to have something now? Everything is at our fingertips for the most part? 
Why is it so hard to wait? It's the time of year where we tell the kids to be patient, right? You want this? Wait till Christmas. Wait till your birthday. It's hard for kids to wait. It's hard for adults to wait. Any ideas, any comments you want to offer on why it is so hard for us? Take it. That's right. Affluenza, right? We have everything and more than we really need. And so we think we should have everything we want, right? That's right. Got to have it right now. This is a time of year. I mean, we've all seen the videos even from this year, from Black Friday, right? Uh, fights occurring over electronics and toys and things that are going to get broken in a matter of minutes, probably once they reach the kids' hands. You know? But people have to have it right now. Do what? Right, the kid plays with the box rather than the toy. <laughs> yeah. Are you waiting for something right now? You don't have to answer out loud. <laughs> you're waiting for patience. <laughs> but you're probably waiting for something. You've got something on your mind and heart that's you're probably thinking of right now. I hope you can take some of the things and the examples we've talking, talked about tonight and maybe apply that. Maybe you're in a situation similar to Joseph or maybe David or maybe Noah where you're working and working but nobody's noticing. You know? In due time, you'll receive the reward. But everybody's got something we're waiting on right now. One of the verses that kept us going uh, years ago when, when, when Angie was going through severe postpartum depression was Isaiah chapter 40. It was one of the verses we read most every night before we went to sleep. Go to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One of the verses there that really gives encouragement to us, we should not give up hope. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. God's God is good concerning his promises. He's going to fulfill them. We, shall, we should wait on the Lord in his time for things to happen to us. Whatever it is that we are seeking, God is patient with sinners. He was patient when we were sinners. God was patient with Saul slash Paul. Without patience, how can the other fruits of the Spirit be shown easily. Without patience, how can we love? How can we show peace? 
or have joy or have self-control or be gentle and be faithful. Without patience, how can we do the rest of what we're commanded? Any closing comments or questions tonight? Larry? That's right. So the, he said, if you couldn't hear him, Alex Haley, the author of Roots, uh, said if he had written or released that prior to when he did, it wouldn't have been as effective. So God's timing is always right. There's an old saying, right, from the Heinz commercial, good things come to those who wait. I hope we're patient through this holiday season with whatever you're going through. God will be patient with us. Let's be patient with him and with others. Thank you all for your attendance. There you go. Good way to end it. Thank you all for being here. Be safe.